so that when I see Jesus on the cross, I see the depth of my own sin. I see the full uh, on wrath of God, his wrath burning hot against his own son and the, and the price that I should be paying. I see, I see the law in its absolute sternness. It's when then we say that Jesus is doing that for me, for my benefit, so that I can be saved, that then it now it becomes the sweetest gospel. So that Jesus desires to have the wrath of God poured out on him so that we can be saved. Five hundred years ago, Martin Luther would gather around the kitchen table with friends and theologians to talk about the Bible, theology, current events, and anything else. These discussions were called table talks. No matter what the question, the conversations always centered around Jesus and his promise of the forgiveness of sins. Table Talk Radio takes up the conversation, bringing the promise of the gospel to our lives. Stay tuned for Table Talk Radio. Welcome to Table Talk Radio. This is a special day on Table Talk Radio. It is show number 10 for Table Talk Radio. I'm Evan Kegline uh, with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller. We've reached double digits now. I think we're hitting our stride. That's right, yeah. Uh, hopefully of course, not- I'm going to get worn out and tired about when I normally run about two minutes from now, so uh, we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah, I, I hope this isn't our peak. <laughs> just might be just downhill from here. <laughs> peak understood it very loosely. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, like a little hill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, today's table talk radio includes uh, one of my favorite TV shows, MythBusters. Uh, you've probably seen this on TV, where they they take certain myths and put it to the test and and, and determine whether it's confirmed, plausible, or busted. And we do that uh, here on Table Talk Radio only with uh, certain. Uh, teachings, and we put them to the test of Scripture and find out if they were confirmed, plausible, or busted. Then Name That Theologian comes after that. Uh, So that's a game where I continue to dominate Evan and uh, way ahead on points, so we'll see how that goes. (laughs) We forgot to talk about what the score was of our last time we were on Table Talk Radio. Yeah, no no one needs to know that. No one needs to know that. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, then after that, we're doing this this new game. I don't know if this is going to work or not, but it's called Text Message Theology. Uh, there's a new uh, search engine out there, which you can access through your text message, through phone. Um, a little earlier, I had to explain what text messaging was to Pastor Wolfmiller. Um, but uh, you text message the question, and they have uh, people who actually do the searching for you on the Internet. And then uh, text message the answer back. So we're going to ask them some theology questions and see what answers they give us and, and how that is. And then the last segment, we're playing a law and or gospel. That's a that's a regular game on Table Talk Radio, and I'm excited to get to that. All right. Okay. I was watching Mythbusters last night, and they were doing the Sharks Week special, you know. And right, the two yeah. guys were uh, jumping in the water, and the sharks were swimming all around them. And I said, hey, this is just like listening to Christian radio. <laughs> Just jump in and get bit from every side, devoured, scared of your life. Oh, man. That's right. Well, uh, the, the first uh, myth that we have to uh, put to the test here um, is, is the, the myth of purgatory. And uh, the, the Catholic Catechism says this about purgatory. All who die in God's grace and friendship, but still imperfectly purified, are indeed assured of their eternal salvation. But after death, they undergo purification so as to achieve the holiness necessary to enter the joy of heaven. Okay, so that's that's the myth. Uh, how are we going to put this to the test, Pastor Wolfmiller? Yeah, I mean, we're you don't want to induce a coma or something and see what happens, do you? 
<laughs> I, I was hoping you were going to offer. <laughs> oh. No, I think we just test this with the scriptures. I mean, that's what will confirm or uh, bust the, the myths uh, that different churches teach. Uh, uh, and so we look at the scriptures and see, it, it, is there anything left unpurified by the Lord's cross? I mean, that's really the question. Uh, when you die, if you're a Roman Catholic, you have three options. You have uh, hell, purgatory, or, or heaven. Or um, perhaps you could somehow reach limbo. Uh, so maybe there's a fourth option to throw in there as well. But this purgatory is for those who have not, um, uh, through the rite of penance and all of this sort of thing, satisfied for all of their venial sins. But look, when we look at the scriptures, we see that that it's the death of Christ that makes full satisfaction for every sin. It's the death of Christ that that cleanses us and, and makes us holy and, and washes our uh, the filth of our sin uh, and makes us white in the robes of His righteousness. So that there is nothing left to be done. Jesus has done it all. And if that's true. That only leaves uh, two options, either for those who trust in Christ and his redeeming work on the cross, it's straight to heaven and his face and the glory of the Father. Uh, for those who do not trust in him but reject the gift of his salvation, it's the punishment of, of eternal death in separation from God. So I think when we take this myth of purgatory to the scriptures, we find that it is not confirmed or plausible. But because of Jesus' death on the cross, it's busted. Yeah, completely busted. Um, and do you want this? Com- this really reminds me of a lot. And not necessarily the purgatory itself, but the explanation um, of why the Catholics believe there is purgatory. Is th- this idea of having to undergo purification and to achieve the holiness necessary to enter the, the joy of heaven. Uh, this reminds me a lot of, of Wesley's doctrine on entire sanctification, where the goal here in this life, and we actually heard it our, our last show on Table Talk Radio when we were doing uh, The Biggest Loser with Rick Warren. He said that the goal of, of life, of Christian life, is, is to be like Jesus. That's com- a complete denial of, of the righteousness that's given to us, that's imputed to us by the work of Christ, that's given to us in our baptism, and that we have full assurance on that we can enter heaven um, immediately after death because of what Christ has done. Yeah, I want everyone that's listening to know this, I mean, without doubt, that you are holy, not because of what you've done or what you've not done. You are holy because of what Jesus has done, and he gives that holiness to you as a free gift. You have it by faith. You're completely holy and righteous. You you are as holy and righteous as Jesus is himself. That's what it means to be forgiven and to be justified, to be to be a Christian. That's what that means. So we're not waiting for holiness or earning our holiness. We're given holiness as a gift. That's right. So the, uh, purgatory is busted. Busted. All right. So let's move on to The Secret. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of this. Uh, the Secret is this, uh, I guess, the book that came out. It's also on DVD. Basically, it teaches the laws of attraction determine positive or negative results according to your thoughts and attitudes. And this was really endorsed uh, by Oprah Winfrey. And let's just tune in a little bit to an interview she had with Larry King. Book could be number one. I was really very excited about it because basically the message of The Secret is the message that I've been trying to uh, uh, share with the world on my show for the past 21 years. The message is that you're really responsible for your life. You are responsible for your life. I've known this. I've known this since the color purple. In 1985, I've probably told you the story when I did the color purple. But and then she goes into the details of, of, of how you know, the, the secret worked for her when she was uh, involved in the movie The Color Purple. I think we can test this by I'm going to have a lot of very positive thoughts about the rest of this show, and we'll have to see if it comes <laughs> true. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. I'm not sure it's going to work, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, 
you know, Luther and, and the uh, Heidelberg Disputation, we, we learned this uh, the- theology of glory versus theology of the cross. Now, this, this secret doesn't even mention God at all. It, it, it's really the, the universe is at your beck and call. Um, really what it is, it's the word faith teaching um, without God. So the universe instead of God is at your beck and call. Um, to, to give you what you want according to your thoughts and attitudes. Um, but, but Luther gave us this distinction between the, the theologian of glory versus the theolo- theologian of the cross. Uh, which, uh, Pastor Wolfenlayer, would be the secret? <laughs> uh, that, yeah, theology of glory, that, uh, that, you, uh, that you get good things through your good actions or even through your good feelings. I mean, it's a, it is a theology of glory all the way. And look, you just say, look at Jesus on the cross and you say, boy, he must have not had very many positive thoughts or uh, he must not have been very attractive because look at all the bad stuff that happens to him. But it's precisely in this bad stuff that happens to Jesus that we get the good things like forgiveness of sins and eternal life and, and all of this. So that... Uh, I mean, rather than than uh, focusing on some sort of positive thing to make the universe serve us, we rejoice that God himself has come down to serve us in his son, Jesus. That's right. So what do you think? Confirmed, plausible, or busted? Busted. Busted. All right. Let's look at this next one then, Object- this teaching of objective justification. And this teaching says that, that God has declared us righteous, not on the account of, of our works or doings, but rather on the account of the life and death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. And so uh, that, that, that righteousness and justification is bestowed to us. Um, so uh, what, what, what do you think? That through, through the test of Scripture, how does this teaching do? Well, let's just take a look at the Scriptures. I'm flipping through my Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, and I see this. For he, that's talking about God the Father, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin... To be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Uh, that looks exactly like what you're saying, that because Jesus took upon all our sin, that, he, that he, he, he takes it from us and he gives us in its place his own righteousness and his perfection, the righteousness of God uh, in him. So that, uh, so that through the death of Jesus and through our, uh, our simple faith in his promise of the forgiveness of sins, we are declared to be righteous and holy. Uh, so this myth, well, what do you think, Evan? It sounds to me hmm. like we're confirming this one. I think it's confirmed. So confirmed it's, by it's, the Scripture. That's right. Um, so in this last minute, I just want to tell you uh, about our so, some of the resources we have here at Table Talk Radio. Um, first of all, if you go to our website, tabletalkradio.org, um, there's, a, there's a, a few pages on there um, that might interest you. I don't, I don't know if those, those articles by Pastor Wolfman would interest you at all, but those are up there. Uh, but also, uh, we have a, a tab on there that says Table Scraps. So that's a place where we have some additional interviews and uh, uh, different kind of other teachings that don't make it onto to the air uh, here on Table Talk Radio. So be sure to check those out. Um, as, as well as um, you can find our, our phone number on there, uh, 866-851-5523. And we like to answer your comments and questions. We haven't had a, a, a listener response segment for quite a while. So we need you to give us your hard questions and comments. Uh, 866-851-5523 or you can always email us questions at tabletalkradio. And Evan's hoping that if you go on there you'll uh, you'll find the donate now button as well. <laughs> I, I know his that his is little secret. <laughs> That's right. Let, let, hey, using the laws of attraction let's let's powerfully think here with, uh, whatever. Hey, right after this, uh, name that theologian uh, so don't go away. More Table Talk Radio right after this.
Thank you for listening to this podcast of Table Talk Radio. We would love to hear what you think of our show. Just click on over to the forum page on our website, and there you will find a forum for show number 10. There you can tell us what you think of this specific show. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Radio next up on the segment. This segment is Name That Theologian. And first, we have a little listener participation game for you to play. Uh, you two. These are my favorite games, listener participation games. Uh, you two can, can do this. Uh... <laughs> are you just ignoring my comment there? <laughs> Putting me off? It's I a big offended. surprise. Hey, uh, every segment from now on is Pastor Wolfmiller's favorite. <laughs> Except for this one so far. I feel snuffed. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, we have a, a, a quote uh, for you. And if you, na- if you can name this theologian, call our number uh, 866-851-5523 or email evan at tabletalkradio.org. And uh, Pastor Wolfman is actually going to give this, but he just doesn't know it yet. Um, but but uh, here, here it is. Comparing Holy Scripture with other writings, we observe that no book is apparently so full of contradictions as the Bible and that not only in minor points, but in principal matters, in the doctrine of how we may come to God and be saved. In one place, the Bible offers forgiveness to all sinners. In another place, forgiveness of sins is withheld from all sinners. In one passage, a free offer of life everlasting is made to all men. In another, men are directed to do something themselves towards being saved. This riddle is solved when we reflect that there are in the Scriptures two entirely different doctrines the doctrine of the law, and the doctrine of the gospel. Thank you, Pastor Wolfmother, for giving us that listener participation quote. Yeah, that's weird to listen to myself <laughs> on the radio like that. Is that really what my voice sounds like? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you know uh, who that theologian was, and you can name him, or her, I guess, uh, you can uh, call us 866-851-5523, or email us, evan at tabletalkradio.org. All right, yeah, you it. don't want to give away that it's a man, that it's a Lutheran, <laughs> that he wrote this in America. Shh, come on. <laughs> You're giving it away. There, there, you know how many responses we get from this every week? You know, my, my inbox is completely full every day after this goes on the air. So, <laughs> From the three people that listen. It takes hours to go through all these. Anyway, let's play Who Wants to – or excuse me, let's play Name That Theologian. My favorite game. And uh, are these worth 200 points uh, each? Is that right? It depends Okay. on how hard they are. All right. Well, I don't know. Maybe we'll make up the points as we go. Okay, I'll give them to you first. Are you ready? Ready. Now, now you have found uh, Reformation theologians to, to quote to me, and right. I have found non-Reformation theologians to quote to you. Making okay. it easy. Uh, yeah. So you can go anyone from, you know, uh, St. Peter uh, all the way to Pope Benedict. That's so right. So I've got this. Yeah, how'd, right, how'd you I'm know? How? <laughs> okay, here, Are those the two? St. Peter and... <laughs> not that there's a relationship between Peter and Benedict. I don't want to... <laughs> okay, here we go. The first, the first uh, quote is, A revival does two things. First, it returns the church from her backsliding. And second, it causes a conversation with men and women. And it always includes the conviction of sin on the part of the church. What a spell the devil d- deems to cast over the church today. 
Okay, so that's what? your... <laughs> Alright. Okay. What? I gotta have some more. Alright, here's the second one. Conversion is a simple surrender to Jesus. It's a willingness to do what he wants you to do. Uh, <laughs> revival, conversion. Okay. Alright. Here's the last well, one. I hope... Those those of you who are listening, if you have an idea here, uh, we'll see if if your uh, idea is confirmed. I don't think mine will be. All right, are you ready? Ready. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to a garage makes you an automobile. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's your three quotes. This fellow is witty. Uh, well, we know it was after the 1907 or so, the invention of the automobile. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Uh, so that narrows it down a little bit. Revival, conversion, do what God wants you to do, go to church, automobile, slightly witty, interested in conversion, making him not, I don't think, a faith, word faith teacher. Uh, uh, I'm going to take a stab and say this is Rick Warren. Uh, you are incorrect. I would go uh, more on the train of the revivalists. Uh, I'm not a big, f- I'm not a big fan of all the revivalists. <laughs> Who is it? I have no idea. Okay, I'll then. give you another clue. This this revivalist is uh, was also a baseball player. I, you can't give me more clues because I don't know. Oh, you just okay. Billy <laughs> Sunday. Jeez. Oh, Billy Sunday. Well, I th- when was Billy Sunday? Uh. You didn't tell me that you have dates ready. Well, all right. I thought he was a little bit older. Apparently not. Actually, I, I looked it up, and I forgot. All right. Uh, but uh, he, he, he was born 1862 and died 1935. Oh, see? That's early. Hmm. Well, no. I don't know. I've, I don't know if I've ever read anything by Billy Sunday. Although I think that's kind of a cool name, Sunday. <laughs> uh, we're having a baby here pretty soon. Maybe I'll, I'll name the baby Sunday Wolfmuller. Uh, but <laughs> hey, when is your baby due? Uh, November the 11th. Oh, very good. Yeah, thanks. All right, no points for me. Yeesh. Billy Sunday. Ah, I wasn't even close on that one. All right, no, you here weren't. it is for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, I'm, I have two quotations. The second one is a little bit longer, though. It's kind of two put together. So here's the first one. If indeed we were angels or dwelt among angels... There would no longer be any need either of worry or of care, lest the purity of the revealed heavenly doctrine should either be falsified or lost. But three truly great obstacles are thrown in our way. First, we live in this world whose judgment in matters of faith is diametrically opposed to that of the Holy Spirit. Second, our reason exalts itself against the knowledge of God, for the unspiritual man does not receive the gifts of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And third, the devil is a liar, the father of lies and the spirit of error. Uh, so there's a little quote that tells why false doctrine is so pernicious in this world, the three sources of false teaching. Okay. okay, and so far I have no idea, so you better give me another one. Here's your second one. To be sure, the authority of councils is most salutary in the church, as Augustine rightly says, that is, if they judge according to the rule and norm of the sacred scripture. And when they prove their decisions by means of sure and clear testimonies of the scripture... The church owes them obedience with the greatest reverence as to a heavenly voice. Then also this statement of Christ applies. Luke 10. He who hears you hears me, and he who rejects you rejects me. But when this mere name, counsel, is heard, it ought not to be at once turn us into rocks, tree trunks, and 
uh, and stalks as though it were the head of Medusa, so that we thoughtlessly embrace any and all decrees without examination, without inquiry and careful judgment. So you got it so far. He's saying councils are good when they are in accord with the scriptures, but when they're not, we don't want to just hear the word council and freeze over. We want to, we want to compare it to what the scripture says. This person continues. For the scripture tells us that there are also counsels of the wicked, Psalm twenty two sixteen, of vain persons, Psalm twenty six four, of the ungodly, Psalm one one, whose assembly, Jeremiah fifteen seventeen, on the basis of the psalm, calls an assembly of mockers who have their name from their false interpretation. Such were the counsels of the ungodly priests against Micah, Jeremiah, against Christ and the apostles. We have, however, the strict command of, John, of God, John, 1 John 4, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are of God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. 1 Thessalonians 5, Test everything, hold fast to what is good. Matthew 7, Beware of false prophets, etc. Therefore it is right and must of necessity be done according to the commandment of God that we examine the decrees of the councils according to the norm of sacred scripture. Uh, as Jerome has it, that is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit which is set forth in the canonical books. So that's a long quotation there. Uh, yeah. Uh, about examining the, the 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 claims of church councils. Yeah, and I'm it, really not sure on this. Uh, examining the claims of the council. This uh, it sounds like something like an examination of a council. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to throw out a guess because I really don't know this one. Um, I could, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to guess maybe uh, Philip Melanchthon. Ah, uh, you would be wrong. Uh, wrong. Is it? This comes from uh, Martin Chemnitz. Uh. His examination of the Council of Trent. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking about how and why we examine councils. And he says, basically, look, you can have a council that errs. I mean, we see examples of them in the scriptures. So we want to see if the Council of Trent is right or wrong. And how do we do it? We compare it to the scriptures. And how does Melanchthon come out? Or sorry, Oh, you got me messed up. How does Chemnitz come out on this? He says the Council of Trent is wrong about all this stuff uh, because they depart from the sacred scriptures. Well, and, and you see that that is at the you know, one of the issues of the the main Reformation solos, you know, scripture alone, you know, councils and and and, and the uh, other church teachings which have been wrong that contradict the scripture. Uh, they were they were the ones that were being thrown against Luther when he was saying, no, we're, we're saved by by grace alone, um, because a, a, a pope has has contradicted himself. Uh, then th- that doesn't mean that. That uh, he triumphs over scripture, but rather uh, scripture is a standard of which we we find our our, our teaching teaching and and uh, our salvation that that Christ has died for all of our sins. That's exactly right. I mean, it's the it's exactly the Council of Trent which anathematizes the gospel, the doctrine of justification uh, through faith alone. Uh, and so Chemnitz has to say, look, this this uh, this Council of Trent, even though it looks fancy and has all these decrees and everything, it's just plain old wrong. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. We're gonna Wrong have... like you were on your guess. As you as well. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So both fine. of us are scoreless so far on Table Talk oh, Radio. Goose egged. Yeah. But uh, right back, we'll be right back with more Table Talk Radio. Uh, we're, we're playing a text message theology, uh, kind of a new game here on Table Talk Radio. So we'll be right back uh, right after this. songs of God had fixed the mind upon the gospel story. 
Table Talk Radio is listener-supported. Well, in theory it is. We actually haven't had any listeners support us yet, but the concept is a good one. If you'd like to be the first, click Donate Now at our website, tabletalkradio.org. Hey, Text Message Theology is the next segment of Table Talk Radio. Welcome back. Uh, this is kind of a new thing. I'm not sure if this will fly or not, but um, what it is, there's this... this I'm pretty sure it won't, Evan. I, if you Thank you. Had... <laughs> this was your idea, wasn't it? No. Oh, I that's right. Remember you, get... you had to teach me, what's that fancy phone yeah, there? Text there? messaging? What's that? What's, ta- what's a text <laughs> message? That's going to cost me 10 cents. <laughs> well, uh, how this works, your children must not be old enough to have a cell phone then. Right. <laughs> there's this new search engine called Cha-Cha. And if you uh, text message a question to Cha Cha, so you just punch in, you know, two four two two four two, you you text message Cha Cha your question, and uh, they actually have have real people, real they call them guides, uh, go find the the answer on the internet and then text message you back. So it's kind of. I was thinking about changing my name from pastor to guide, spiritual guide. Uh, we'll, we'll try Maybe that out for the rest of the show. A job at Cha Cha. <laughs> but you know, all right. Sorry for interrupting. Explain. So you, so you text the question, and they they write back what the answer is. Right. Is that the, how this these goes? college kids that can't get a real job, they they just sit on the internet and look up answers for people. And I asked them, how much do you get paid for this? And and they said twenty cents a question. So that yeah, you sit there doing it all day, you probably make some pretty good cash. Uh, but anyway, so uh, you ask them questions like who is Pastor Brian Wolfmiller and all these questions. Um, but I we asked, you know, thought we'd ask. Really? You can ask that? Yeah, and they'll Google it and find your name on the Internet oh, and all nice. this stuff. So so I asked, you know, let's ask them some theology questions, discuss the answers. So um, what, what questions should I ask them, Pastor Wolfmiller? Uh, my favorite, we always do this on the show, how do you get to heaven? How about that? Okay. I've got the uh, address already queued in, so I just got to key in the question. Get to heaven okay there it goes you can tell I'm, I'm pretty good at typing these text messages here we'll, we'll just wait You're for this well trained do you have the uh, the blackberry thumb you uh, know I heard about that tell, tell us typing. <laughs> you, if you type too much on your blackberry and you get uh, this uh, like tendonitis in your thumbs or whatever <laughs> you have well, to soak your thumbs in ice for that sounds rough <laughs> oh I just got I just got the, t- the message back okay the answer is based on your beliefs you get to heaven automatically when you die, or because you accept Jesus as your Savior, or doing good. <laughs> so we have three answers here. Either automatically after you die, or because you accept Jesus as your Savior, or doing good. Uh, which, of those, which of those is correct, Pastor Wolfmiller? Excuse me, Guide, guide Wolfmiller? <laughs> you get these different options, and they totally contradict one another. Oh, brother, I guess they cover all the bases. Automatically when you die, or... Because you accept Jesus as your Savior, or doing good. <laughs> Yeesh. So either you're a universalist, or you have decision theology, or you're uh, works righteousness. One of those three options. <laughs> Brother. Well, yeah, uh, none of these are doing good. Their theology isn't so good so far because none of these are right. We get to Jesus. We get to heaven because Jesus died for us on the cross, and His blood forgives all of our sins. Uh, the, when we trust his promise, all, all of our sins are cast away, and the Lord looks at us, uh, ha- declares us to be totally righteous and perfect. That's that's how we get to heaven. Uh, not automatically, not because you accept Jesus, that puts the onus on us, and not certainly for doing good. Uh, no one can 
no one is good. No, not one. Right. Uh, yeah, that, that, that last answer, doing good, uh, could be a, a, a law answer. Um, you know, you know if, if you were perfect, if you were good, then you could get to heaven. But we know that none of us can do that because of original sin. In fact, uh, we're all tainted by sin. Even, for, even from the womb, we're, t- we're tainted by sin. So, uh, no, we have to find someone who, who can be good for us, and that is Jesus. And that he lived the perfect life. And uh, because of that, he just, just gives this gift to us. We don't have to ask for it. We don't have to receive it into our heart, any of this. Uh, it's just given to us as a gift. So, and, and he put a little smiley face at the end, so that, that's important too. A, a, a colon, cl- close parenthesis. So. <laughs> I never have ever done one of those uh, on anything that I've ever written. I don't know why. That's why I always think you're angry at me in, in all your emails because I don't know what your <laughs> my emotions are because I don't have a little smiley That's right. face. That's right. So, all right, what else should we do here? Uh, baptism. Let's do something about baptism. Okay. Um, let's do what benefits does baptism give? All right, we'll see what what we get back. <laughs> you gotta stretch your thumbs out. Yeah, yeah. My, my thumbs are taking a break. Oh, there it is. That was quick. All right. Uh, the answer is uh, one: not the remission of sins; two: not regeneration or renewal of the heart; but three: the answer of a good conscience. <laughs> Man, these these young men uh, are proving themselves to be poor theologians. Which maybe is the point of this: is that if you have theological questions and you're out there, don't send them to Cha Cha. Send them to tabletalkradio.org or whatever That's our right. website is. <laughs> uh, questions at tabletalkradio.org or 866-851-5523. Uh, we'll try and get... I didn't ask him what uh, what aren't the, the, the benefits that... Here, what what benefits don't the, does baptism give? Uh, you know, spent two, one and two is not the remission of sins, not regeneration. <laughs> but Crazy. In, but instead, the answer of a good conscience. Uh, what what's behind this answer, Pastor Wolfmiller? Guide Wolfmiller. Uh, guide. That's right. Don't forget uh, the well. Uh, the answer of a good conscience reflects the language of Second Peter, where it says baptism is not the putting away the outward filth of the flesh, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. Uh, that's right after uh, Peter says baptism saves you. Uh, so baptism gives us a good conscience. Uh, that's how it is. Uh, baptism gives the gift of a pledge of a good conscience before God. But then that contradicts these other ones. It says it's not regeneration, renewing the heart, uh, and not the remission of sins. That's just flat out wrong because the Bible says that it is the remission of sins. P- Peter says after his Pentecost sermon, what do we do to be saved? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins. Uh, Paul preaches the same way uh, later on in Acts, and he says, be baptized and have your sins washed away. Jesus says to Nicodemus, John chapter 3, uh, uh, you must be born again. You must be born of water and the Spirit. Now, that being born again is the talk of regeneration, which Jesus says comes through water and Spirit. In other words, baptism, uh, which is what he's talking about there in John, in the beginning of John. So, so their answer is totally wrong. Yeah. Baptism is the remission of sin. The benefit of baptism is the remission of sins, and it is the regeneration and renewal in the heart. That's right. What do you think? Uh, you know, to me. This, this answer of a good conscience I don't know maybe, maybe they're not intending to, to, to say this by saying but, but when, when you say a good conscience it almost sounds like something that you've done you've done something correctly 
Yeah, that's why a lot of folks call baptism not a sacrament but an ordinance because a sacrament is the work of God for us where he forgives our sins. An ordinance is what we're doing uh, back to God. So these churches that talk about the, the ordinances in the church, it's it's us pledging, doing, uh, now I've promised my life to Jesus and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show forth that promise by going up and being baptized so that it's it's us making this great pledge and promise and this sort of thing. But the... But the great gift of baptism is that God gives us his promise in it. Uh, that's the benefit of it. All right, I've got another one. I've already started typing it. I'm going to ask them, uh, in Christian theology, what is the office of the keys? And there it goes. So we'll see what we get back on that. I wonder how they'll do on this one. What do you think, Pastor Wolf Miller? Well, they haven't done good so far. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Um and there it is. That was quick. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazingly fast. And the answer is, it has to do with Jesus giving the power to forgive or retain sins to the church of Peter's confession. Hmm. Ooh. Say it again. It has to do it, with... Uh, it has to do with Jesus giving the power to forgive or retain sins to the church of Peter's confession. So what do you make of this? Huh. <laughs> the Church of Peter's Confession is the is the thing that troubles me. I don't know how you would say something like that, but I think this is right. I mean, the Office of the Keys is the peculiar power uh, given by Christ to the Church to forgive and retain sins. And this business of Peter's Confession has to do with Matthew 16, where uh, where Jesus says, "Who do you say that I am?" And Peter says, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God." And and Jesus says, "Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed it to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I give you the keys to the kingdom." Uh, and the, 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 these keys are the forgiving and, and binding of sins. And, and Jesus expands the gift to his whole church in Matthew 18 uh, and continues that expansion in John 20 when his, he breathes on the disciples and tells them to go and forgive sins. Uh, so we say that Peter's confession is the church. It's the, it's the foundation of the church, the confession of faith in Christ, and it's to the church that the keys belong. So this is actually uh, it's pretty close, I think, um, I mean, I wouldn't have said it the same way, but I think they're they're hitting the nail pretty close to the head. Yeah. Well, let's do one more. I think we can get this in, depending on how fast. But I'm going to ask them, um, why did Jesus descend to hell? I'm just going to go kind of questions out of the, the catechism. So uh, the question's away. We'll see what we get back on. Why did Jesus descend to hell? Well, hey, look, there it is. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Wasn't that quick? <laughs> Okay, the, the answer they gave us then, um, the biblical authors were more accurate in their use of words than some of our Bible translators. He did not do this. Oh, what do you think of that? That's weird. I don't know. What are they talking about? Well, okay, well, let me ask you just straight. Did Jesus descend to hell? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is how Peter gives it to us. I mean, it's not a common discussion in the scriptures, but... Uh, but um, but Peter tells us this that he uh, th- that he went to preach to the spirits that are in prison. So, I mean, the way that we um, uh, the way that we understand this is that uh, Jesus, after his resurrection, goes body and soul to hell to preach the uh, his victory over sin and death and the devil and hell itself. Uh, and so that it's part of his exaltation uh, that Jesus uh, brings this victory uh, to those who have been judged. So, yeah, the, the Bible clearly testifies of it, so we, we don't have any choice but to confess it to be true. That's right, and that will take us to the end of text message theology. Uh, much like last week when we played uh, 
church sign theology. It's never a good idea to get your theology from text messaging uh, or church signs. Uh, so, uh, hey, after this, we're going to play uh, a little game where, you, where it is a good place to get theology, the Holy Scriptures, when we play law and or gospel. So we'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. In addition to the regular programming of Table Talk Radio you hear on this podcast, check out Table Scraps. Table Scraps is a place where you will find additional interviews and discussions still discussing the holy Christian faith that proclaims Christ crucified for the forgiveness of all of our sins. Check out Table Scraps on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Table Talk Radio. Uh, oh no, more! <laughs> I know it's painful, but this one's actually kind of fun because we're playing law and/or gospel. Hey, my favorite game we ever play. What, what do you mean? I thought this this last segment we just did text message theology was your favorite game. It was too. They're all my favorite. Okay. I don't have an Aristotelian way of saying favorite. It's more of a Hebrew way. Oh, okay. They're all my favorite. <laughs> I, this is a staple game, though, uh, you know, for us, law and or gospel, because, I mean, I think this is really kind of the point of our uh, little uh, radio show here, that we we want to hold forth uh, law and or gospel, and we want people to know the difference. So, uh, you know, we play all these games so that people can play along and ask the questions themselves, and hopefully in the process learn... Uh, the distinction between law and gospel, and and when they read the scriptures and listen to preachers on their own, that they can they can distinguish between the two. All right, so we have a couple uh, passages from the scriptures and, a, and another quote. So I'll I'll gonna go read these to you first. Then, all right, I'm ready. This is John. This is a tricky one. I'm I'm trying to stump you on this. John chapter eight verse eleven, and she said, "No one, Lord." And Jesus said, "Neither do I condemn you. Go your way." Uh, for now, sin no more. Yeah, the woman caught in adultery, and she, um, and she's brought before Jesus because they want her to, con- to condemn her, and he refuses refuses to bring the word of condemnation. Instead, brings the word of absolution. Uh, neither do I hold your sin against you. Uh, that's what Jesus says, right? That's right. And that would be a pure word of gospel. Okay. Neither do I condemn you. Now, I think the immediate response then is, well, what about the last part Jesus says, for now on, sin no more. Would that be law or gospel? Go and sin no more. This, I, I just have to say in simplicity that this is the law. Go and sin no more. Uh, that, Jesus, uh, that Jesus sends us uh, into our lives uh, not to go and sin so that we rejoice in his forgiveness, uh, but rather to begin to love and, and to keep his law. Of course, when we go out there to do it, uh, we find that we can't, and this brings us then back to the Lord's word, I do not condemn you. Uh, But I think this go and sin no more would stand then as the command for what we are to do, uh, and it would also end up condemning us uh, when we don't keep it. So I I think this is a word of law. Okay, so this this verse is law and gospel? Uh, uh, Yeah, or gospel and law. I I think so. What do you think, Evan? Do you agree with my... uh... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, certainly, uh, go and sin no more um, is, is not something that that Jesus is doing, but rather that, that he is telling us to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I wonder if we can liken this to, like, in our divine service, uh, following the, the Lord's Supper, uh, we pray that we would have uh, more faith towards you and a fervent love toward one another. Um, yes. We're, we're going out, uh, living out this, this gospel that was just given to us. Yeah, that's right. So the living out of the gospel in our lives and love for the neighbor is law. Sometimes we call it the third function of the law. Uh, so that it's it's with the Holy Spirit living in us. Now we are we're, we begin to st- and start to keep the contours of the law. We begin to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we begin to love our neighbors ourselves. Of course, this love is always incomplete. We are never without need of the Lord's forgiveness. But the gospel is never an excuse to sin. And so maybe this is what the Lord Jesus is doing: is that, look, you're not condemned for this, but this is not an excuse. It's a forgiveness. It's not a license. It's an absolution. So that we don't want to use the gospel as a license to sin. Say, oh, because Jesus forgives me, I'm going to go and sin more. Uh, you are free in Christ, but we are not to use that freedom uh, as a as a as an excuse for vice, uh, like the apostles tell us. Uh, but rather, to we're set free to love and serve our neighbor. So that just this freedom that Jesus is giving in His lack of condemnation is not freedom to go back and continue to commit adultery, but it's rather freedom from adultery uh, to go and love the neighbor and to serve those that the Lord has given. I agree with that. Okay, so you get 200 points for that. All right. My first 200 points. Those, by the way, are my favorite 200 (laughs) points. All right, you ready for your text? I'm ready. I have a biblical verse, too. 1 John 2, verse 1. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Okay, uh, I think uh, this is both law and gospel. I think you're right. Okay, It really picks up where the other text left off. That's right. So now we're sent out to, to not sin, so that's what John starts. And I'm writing these things so that you don't sin. That's right. That's... That's law. And so then then obviously when he's you know writing these things that you will not sin, but I... Look at my life, even just so far today. Uh, I realize that I, I haven't been free from sin in my life. I, I, I've I've still sinned because uh, I still have this nasty old flesh that keeps keeps sin in my life. And and so um, then the the last part. Could you read that the second part of that that text again? Yeah, it's just for you. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate, or uh, we could say it like this: we have a defense lawyer with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Right, so that our Jesus, who was crucified for us, stands before the throne of God the Father and argues on our behalf, uh, His blood and our forgiveness. It's marvelous! That is pure gospel, right there. Pure gospel. Okay. Well, uh, points. Oh, all right. Two hundred points. I'll all right. Even keep it even here. All right. Okay. Then your next one then is Romans ten, eight through eleven. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Uh, Gospel. Any questions? (laughs) Is that it? Yeah, maybe people try to take this and make it into law. You gotta, con- you gotta believe. You gotta confess. Not knowing that belief and confession are a gift given by the Father. I mean, we had it a little earlier. Wasn't that this show where we were talking about how uh, Peter confesses Jesus in Matthew sixteen when we were talking about the office of the keys? And That's Jesus right. says, uh, "Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven." So the Father gives us the gift of faith. That's Ephesians two eight and nine talk. Uh, 
By grace you are saved through faith, and this is not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Faith is a gift of God. And then this confession is a gift of God as well, Matthew 16, that it's revealed by our Father in heaven. So that belief and, and confession are gifts that God gives to us. And, and, by, and he gives us these gifts, and these gifts cling to, his, to the gift of salvation that he gives. I mean, it's gift upon gift upon gift. Marvelous. Right. And the whole context of this is we don't have to descend into heaven, or sorry, descend to hell or ascend into heaven to try to find Jesus and drag him down by our own efforts, but that he's right here with us in the word that's preached and believed and confessed so that, so that Jesus is now with us. Even now he's with us uh, in the word that when we hear it and when we believe it. That's right. 200 points. All right. It's pretty good to get points for, you know, preaching the gospel and stuff. Yeah. I wonder if, if people from my church listen to the show and they're going to give me points after my sermons. You wouldn't get any points then, though. <laughs> Two points for that one, Pastor. But Pastor, a thousand I slept points through the whole the thing. 200 points. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, you want another text I here? I do. Matthew twenty-seven thirty-five. This is a... All right. You ready? I'm ready. They crucified him. Is that it? That's it. Well, the whole text says, and when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. But I don't want to talk about that. Okay. I just want to talk yes. about this. They crucified right. him. Right, so uh, I'm trying to evaluate this law or gospel. Uh, the law right. is something that we're expected to do. Um, and that text isn't talking about something that we're expected to do, but the gospel talks about what Christ has done for us. And there, uh, that, that he, they crucified him uh, speaks about how, how Christ took on the wrath of God that we deserved, that I deserved. Uh, I deserved to be crucified there, but it's not I that the text is saying. It, it says Christ, they, they crucified Christ, they crucified Jesus. And so that is gospel. Right. Now, I want to do a little advanced law gospel. So this is law gospel uh, extra 201. Credit? Is this extra credit. More extra points? Credit because, uh, well, maybe, because our confessions say this. They say that the bare preaching of the cross is the most severe law. Uh, now, how could that be? How could the preaching of the cross be law? Because you're right. It says here that Jesus is crucified in my place. But see, the, the point of that is the text didn't quite say Jesus is there in my... It just says he's crucified. Uh, and so the bare crucifixion can function a, as law. How do you think that would be? Uh, well, it's, it's the law having its way with Jesus. Well, yeah, and, and, and even more is that we see that Jesus is being crucified because of my sins... So here, here's two statements, and we'll do a little law gospel with them. Jesus is being crucified because of me, and then the other one is Jesus is being crucified for me. You see the difference? Uh, yeah, I do. So that when I see Jesus on the cross, I see the depth of my own sin. I see the full-on uh, wrath of God, his wrath burning hot against his own son. And when I see that, I see the depth of my own sin and the and the price that I should be paying. I see I see the law in its absolute sternness. And, and as long as it remains that, as the, as long as the cross remains the the showing forth of God's wrath, then the cross stands as law. It's when then we say that Jesus is doing that for me, be, uh, in, for my benefit, so that I can be saved. That then it now it becomes the sweetest gospel. So that Jesus desires to have the wrath of God poured out on him so that we can be saved. That's right. And that's all the time we have. So real quick, what's the score? Uh, I'm sure you won somehow, Evan. Okay. I, I forgot to keep track. Okay. Well, <laughs> hey, that's it for Table Talk Radio. Don't forget to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org, or give us a call, 866-851-5523. Uh, join us again next time on Table Talk Radio. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. 
The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to questions at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.